We praise the Lord for this uh, particular evening. Uh, thank you for leading us through that moment of, of prayer. Let us pray even as we get ourselves together into this, uh, this word this evening. God, our Heavenly Father, we continue to thank you so much for your love towards us. We thank you because your God who reigns supreme above each and everything. We pray that even as we take time in your word, that Lord, you will speak to us. We pray that you will minister to us clearly. We pray that your, your word will come through in the power of your Holy Spirit. And I feel at the end of the day, all glory and honor will go back to you. We ask that there will be stability in the network uh, from wherever each and every one of us has logged on or from. We pray that there will be no distractions, those that may be on the road, those that may be in their homes, those that may still be in their offices. Lord, we pray that all these places will be conducive uh, to receive your, your word. So Lord, to you we yield, to you we surrender in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I was given Judges 2, 11 to 15, the glory lifted, the glory lifted. I will read Judges 2, 11 to 15, and then I will uh, go into sharing what God has put on my heart this particular evening. Uh, Judges 2, Judges 2, 11 to 15, and the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them and he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them and they were in terrible distress, the word of the Lord. I want to, to, to take us slightly back to Genesis 12 when God calls uh, Abraham before he becomes Abraham. God uh, calls him out. He calls him out of his people, out of uh, a people that, that were pagans, a people that were heathen, a people that actually knew many gods. And he calls him out to constitute a nation, a great nation through him. And this nation would be one that would be a witness to the whole world. It would bless all the peoples of, uh, of, 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 of the earth. And guess what? When God calls Abraham for him to be a blessing to the nations, one of the things he gives him is a promise of land. Uh, Genesis 12 Six to seven says, uh, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Mori. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then they would appear to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an old, there an altar to the Lord who had appeared 
to him. So God promised to give to his offspring, you know, the land of the Canaanites. So as God calls him to constitute a nation, he says this nation will be in a particular place. This nation will be in on land. And friends, right from creation, when God gives man, when God creates man, man was to display God's glory in that given place, Eden, on a given in, in a given in a given place where God was dwelling. So similarly, when God is into his restoration business, as he calls Abraham out of a heathen people, out of people, he tells him that place that actually will fame, that place that will bear my glory, that place to which men will stream and actually know me, that place to which men will stream and actually encounter me as the only God, as the living God. And so when God is making a covenant, when God is affirming what, what he has called Abraham, Abraham into in uh, Genesis chapter 15, he affirms it this way, verse 18 to 21. Listen, he says, Genesis 15, 18 to 21. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gilgashites, and the Jebusites. As God is making a covenant with these people, as he's making a covenant with Abraham, as he's sealing it, he affirms the same that he had told him to, to your offspring, I'll give this land. And now in this covenant, he even highlights exactly the land, that land which was occupied by the Canaanites. To your descendants, I give this land, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gilgashites, and the Jebusites. So at this place, you know, God had, had also foretold of the Egyptian enslavement in, when, when he's affirming this, uh, this covenant in verse, in verse 13 to 16 of Genesis 15. God had actually affirmed that, you know, you, your, your descendants, your offspring will go to Egypt as, as slaves. And after four generations, they will return. So the first thing, point I'm making, even as we, we, we think through this particular portion of Judges, is that God had placed the first family on land. And it is here that actually this first family of Adam and Eve were supposed to enjoy, you know, relating with God. That God had chosen to dwell amongst his people in a particular, in a particular place, in a particular space at a particular time. But when the fall comes, they are banished out. Now when God is calling, yeah, is calling He's calling this man Abraham to constitute him into a new nation, a nation that is going to be a one that is restoring, one that is restored to God. Still, the aspect of God inhabiting a particular place, you know, into which men will stream comes in. And so they were now going, God is promising, you will relate with me from this place as I make you a blessing into the whole, into the whole world. So God's dwelling was with them 
when they were in Eden. So through Abraham's call, God is restoring that particular dwelling. And so fast forward, of course, we know they go to, 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 to exile in Egypt. Then later on, when, when, they, they, when they cry to the Lord, and after God, God has dealt with, with, with these Canaanite nations, God now redeems them through, through Moses. They were, it was a very short journey, but God takes them around 40 years in the wilderness as God is working on their attitudes. God is working on their commitment to him. God is really working on them. And so, uh, time comes when Moses dies, and now Joshua takes over for them now to come and inherit uh, the land that had been promised in Genesis 12, that had been promised in Genesis 15, that land where God had chosen for them to actually dwell. And actually, that land is the same land where, where their ancestors had been before they went to Egypt in slavery. So they were actually repossessing that which God had swore to their ancestors. Now, when, when the book of Judges opens, it opens at that point after the death of Joshua. It opens at a point when the Israelites are, are actually taking over this land that was promised in Genesis 12 and Genesis, uh, Genesis 15. So the Israelites are repossessing the land as promised earlier on. You know? And one of the issues was God had told them you are supposed to eliminate all the Canaanite nations. You must fully possess and so as they, as they start to take charge, it seems it's the tribe of Judah that sort of like tries to obey God's commandment to the full. The tribe of Judah tries to eliminate a number of Canaanite nations helped by the Simeonites. However, the Benjamites failed to dislodge the Jebusites in Jerusalem. When you read Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, it says, uh, but the people of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who lived in Jerusalem. So the Jebusites have lived with the people of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. First, take note of that. The, the Benjamites fail to dislodge the Jebusites and they, they live together. They accommodate them. Two, the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Ephraim, the, the tribe of Zebulun, the tribe of Asher, Naphtali, the Danites, all these also, like the Benjamites, do not take full possession of the land. You know, God had a plan to start with a pure nation as it does restoration, but these people failed that plan. They actually do not engage in war as they were meant to. They actually take, take on the lazy, the lazy attitude of just settling, settling along with the Canaanites, with the Canaanite nation that they were actually meant to totally destroy, totally obliterate and so that God starts a pure people in this place he has chosen at this time, in this place that all now other nations out were meant to stream to see how does this pure nation look like? How has God blessed this pure nation? How can we have that God as our God? Because God had called them to be constituted into a nation for, for mission, for the display of his glory. But his glory his mission would be displayed when a pure nation. This Canaanite became a problem. What happened? As we see, as as uh, as, as 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 judges two opens, 
they covenanted with these nations. Now the angel, Judges chapter 2, now the angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bokim and he said, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you into the land that I saw to give to your fathers. I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall break down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. What is this you have done? So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become horns in your sides and their gods shall be a snare to you. You know, God says, because you have failed to take on your assignment, because you failed to deal with these nations, they are going to be thorns in your flesh. Their gods are going to be a snare to you. And indeed, we see them covenanting themselves with these nations. So what happens as a result of covenanting themselves with these nations? One, the purity of worship is compromised. They can no longer worship God as they should because they have intermarried. They have taken on customs that are contrary to Yahweh's custom. They have taken on forms of worship that are actually abominable. They have actually bowed to the bowels. They have bowed to the Ashtaroth. They have taken known cultures that are contrary. They are no longer a pure people that God had wanted. They are no longer that pure nation that God had wanted to be missional in a way that that which would display his glory and many nations would stream to worship Yahweh. So now because of that, the purity of worship is compromised because they are no longer a pure People, they have intermingled. That's the first, the first point. The second point, because these nations were a thorn in their flesh, teaching the ways of Yahweh to the young generation also became hard. It became very hard for, 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 for the younger generation to know exactly what it meant to worship God. Let me read for you what it says here. Verse 6. Verse 7 of our chapter 12 Judges. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him with the bound, within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath, Harris, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the Mount of Gash. And all the generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. What a sad testimony. There arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. A generation that did have, didn't revere God for who he was. A generation that had been actually, you know, had, had, had been messed up. A generation that was now impure because it's a generation of intermarriage. It's a generation of, 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 of syncretism. It's a generation of mixing of divinities. It's a generation that is given to, 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 to all proposals of any God can be a God. So because of of, of them not dealing with those nations, you know, the younger generation was one that did not know God. But why? Because now teaching the ways of God became hard. 
The generation was confused. They were growing up hearing bow. They were growing up seeing people bowing and prostrating before they had steroth, before they had shela poles. So now it was really, really hard. They were growing up seeing how men were, were, were sacrificing children, their firstborns in the fire. So they thought these are normal things. What is this thing of Yahweh? So it became hard to teach the younger generation. So their vocation as a nation was lost because of mixing with other gods. God had wanted them to preserve the purity of worship. God had wanted them to remain a people that is called out as, as he had called out their ancestor, Abraham. God had wanted them to be a, 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 a nation that has been called out. And so when they are called out, it is easy to teach the younger generation. Then as the younger generation streams to Yahweh, other nations would be pointed to come to this God. And so friends, as I'm thinking through this, I want to even drive a quick application. You know, I'm a little afraid that we seem to be on the same trajectory if we do not wake up. We seem to be losing the rich heritage, the rich Christian heritage, you know, an heritage in the scriptures handed down to us by our, by those that, that came to faith before us. We seem to be losing it. We seem to be opting for forms that are pushing God away. We seem to be opting for forms that are away from God's word. We seem to be pushing and opting for forms that are pushing God's word to periphery. We seem to be coming to a point where worship is man-centered and not God-centered. We seem to be coming to a point where we are exalting men at the expense of God. We seem to be at a point where we are mixing a number of things, mixing divinities into Christian practice. So it's time we honestly evaluated our worship. It's time we honestly evaluated our spiritual pursuits. It's time we evaluated them at individual level. It's time we evaluated them at family level. It's time we evaluated them even as a corporate body of Christ, the church. The question is, if we do not preserve the purity of our worship, I'm afraid there may arise a generation that will not know God. There may arise a generation that has no regard for, 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 for worshiping this God as it should be. There may arise a generation that will give itself to saying it's okay. It's okay to, to worship Allah here. It's okay to have, you know, all these other divinities in here. It's okay. Why? Because we seem to be losing the purity of worship. And the point why God tells them to deal with the nations is basically in the area of purity of worship. Because the next generation knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And subsequently, their position in God's story, there are things that happened. One, they did evil, as we see in this script that we read. They did evil and served Baals. They didn't know God. They didn't have any regard for God. So evil was no more. Serving Baals and other gods was no more. Two, they forsook the Lord. They put him at the periphery. Then thirdly, there was deep idolatry. They served other gods. What happened? Verse 14. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. 
They provoked God's anger because of compromise in worship, because of giving in to other to other divinities. So the glory of God was no more. Instead, it was God's anger. They tested God's anger. God handed them over to their enemies. They lost all their battles because God's glory was totally off. The glory that their ancestors had tested was no longer available because of giving in to other gods. They lost their vocation, friends. They are a nation that God had called to which all would stream as God had given the vision to their ancestor, Abraham, that out of you nations will be blessed. Those that had been called out now mixed. They lost their position as they called out. And so they lost every battle. So as I come to a conclusion, I'm going to make some assertions and leave you with some questions to wrestle with. God has called us as a church. We are the called out. Actually, the real word ecclesia, the word from which the, the word church is, 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 is arrived at, ecclesia means those that are called out. We are a people that are called out. We are called out of sin. We are called out of evil living. We have been called out out of the world to display God, to, to display his glory, such that as people see, they will be attracted to God. So out of us, God wants to restore his reign on earth. Here, his kingdom must be established. That's why Jesus tells us, as you pray, pray, may your kingdom come. You know, we are crying for God's kingdom to come, but his kingdom will Come as we are living as men and women who are called out. God calls us to preserve the purity in worship by serving him alone and wholeheartedly. So the question is, am I, are we, are you truly worshiping the Lord? Truly in, in purity or we've added on other things. And I must say, I say this with a lot of sadness. We seem to be taking this trajectory. Our worship seems to be diluted. Our worship seems to be compromised in many aspects. So the practical point, friends, we need to get back to the scriptures. We need to get, to get back to that place where our worship is saturated with scriptures, where scriptures are directing our worship. We need to get back to that point where it's about God, not about me, not about us men, where the glory is about God, not me. I'm just a mere vessel. I am motto. Today I'm here, tomorrow I'm gone. So we need to get back to that place where worship is holy and holy, focused on God. And that is only possible if the scriptures take their rightful place. As God takes the center stage. Next, we need to pass on the pure faith to our children. We need to pass on the pure faith to the younger generation. I say this still with sadness. Our priorities seem to be contrary. What focus do we have for the schools? What focus do we have for uh, the children's church? What focus do we have for the teens' church? As a parent on this call, 
What focus do you have spiritually for those children? It is so sad that as parents, we have all these goals for our children. Take them to the best schools, buy them the best, the best, the best. But suddenly, with no focus on helping them grow spiritually. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. So for you, you will be a wonderful woman of God. I will be a wonderful man of God. But if, if I don't take it seriously, the next generation will not know God. The next generation will not know his, his, his things. The best they will say, it will just be in reference. Uh, 2015, I'm in the UK. One of the churches, then uh, one of... Uh, it, a man, a man took me around. He was an old man. He told me we have a very, a very good heritage, and he took me all over. We, 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 we had a, a serious. He gave me a ride all over all those, those ends of Airy, Woolwich, all that, all that side. We had a serious ride, and he was showing me a number of churches and the Church of England, old that old beautiful architecture, and the man had this rich history. Of, the, of Christianity in England and was proud by the very proud of that heritage. Then as I asked him you know, about his faith, the man didn't have anything to deal with that heritage. He said, no, th this was the, uh, the, 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 the Victorian faith, you know, but for us, you know, you know, we've, 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 you know it was just there. He had nothing but but it was just something about our heritage, the Victorian faith. That was it. And was showing me, telling me about this architecture, telling me about the symbolism. Telling, and it was rich. But he knew no God. So if we're not intentional, we'll have children who are very proud. My dad preached the gospel. My judge preached the gospel. My kaka preached the gospel. But nothing to deal with that gospel. So may God help us. What is our focus, friends? Sadly, our priorities are on the contrary. We think focus on children's church is a waste. Focus on the teens is a waste. Focus on the youth is a waste. I leave that with you to think through. And lastly, are there things you've kept that will be a snare later on? Think through your life. Are there things you've kept that will be a snare later on? Are there things that you need to, to totally demolish for the sake of purity of worship? It could be things that you've, you know, kept around you. It could be that you approach God. It could be the group you, you, that, that you consider to be your core group when instead it's a snare. So may God help us. The Lord richly bless you. Father, I pray that your word will continue to bear fruit. You know how you've spoken to these, your people. Lord, I ask that you will uh, have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you. Wow, wow, wow. I don't know about you, but <laughs> at some point in the sharing, it was um, a moment to maybe prostrate on the floor and... Uh, Go to God in repentance 
And one of the biggest lies of the enemy is that the scriptures are so far removed from us. You know, what happened in the Old Testament was for that time, you know, and it doesn't apply, but I I, I could see and reflect on my own life as Reverend Mrs. Sarah was, was, uh, was sharing. And I'm just going to go through some of the things that uh, he referred to, that surely in your own life, um, you can see the applicability of the word and we shall respond uh, in prayer as, uh, as I'm led. This issue of, uh, of land, it's, uh, it's a real issue. And um, I want, I would like you to think about it the way it was revealed to me as uh, Reverend Mrs. Sarah was sharing. Was even just where I, I live. You know where I live, and and where I go to work, uh, where my in-laws are, where I go to, um, you know, spend time with them. Everywhere that God has has placed me is for His glory, and He spoke about how that was God's intention from the time of Adam and Eve, even with uh, in the times of Abraham, and uh, what we see happened, as Reverend Mrs. Sarah Leba to explain, and happens today as well, is uh, is compromise. Where we we are complacent, we are wishy-washy, we are lukewarm in our lives, and um, to put it into into context, I'll give you some examples uh, from from my own life. Uh, of course, you'll be in a place and not everyone is at the same place that you are. Maybe even worse, they are they are not born again. <clears throat> but these are the people who are going to be interacting with your children. They're the ones influencing your children. Yesterday, my son came to me, he's six, and he asked me what a certain word means. And I was so, so angry at the enemy. Because uh, it wasn't, it was a bad word to say the least. And it was a, a, a neighborhood child who had said it to him. And I tried to explain it to him the best I could. But what I'm saying is, are you influencing your, those who are around you or are they influencing you? It can be in the workplace. And if you work, um, in the corporate world, like like myself, there are times when it serves you to maybe um, take the side of uh, someone just because of the position that they hold. They are the managing director, they are the head of department. It would serve you well to be aligned with them. But what they need you to align with them on, does it align with God? There is a, a need for us to engage in the good war, you know, to take a stand and to, and to push back. And God can give you wisdom, you know, right where you are on how to navigate those tricky areas. And we see it in the scriptures as well. We see it with, uh, with Esther. Esther wasn't leading a riot, you know, but, but God moved her feet and she was able to achieve what she needed to achieve. And uh, 
the things of the world aligning with people like that, the rewards are instant. And it might delay you from getting that to that next place, but the cost of aligning with such people is so great. So we need to stand where we are. We need to be clear. We need to be children of God. We need to bear fruit so that we are not on the fence. It is clear where we stand. And I think most of you have had the saying that says um, the devil owns the fence. And um, it's a form of idolatry. Anything you put, uh, he talked about idolatry as well. Anything you put in the place of God, whether it is your career, whatever you're trying to secure, that is not even really yours to secure in the first place with your own wisdom and understanding that is informed by your, f- your flesh. You may not be going to a shrine, but you are actually idolatrous. And we know that God is a judge and he's a righteous judge. And like a father who disciplines their child, he will discipline you. As Reverend Mrs. Fair talked about, these people were handed over to their enemies. You know, they 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 lost uh, wars. So um, as he departed, we are the ecclesia, as he finished, sorry, we are the ecclesia, we are called out. We are called out. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow. We are called out. We are to, to stand. David stood huh, against Goliath. There's a calling on your life. You're supposed to stand out. God wants his place restored, that his kingdom would come. It's not going to come through anyone else but you, right where he has placed you, in your neighborhood, in your family, at your workplace, everywhere that he has placed you. He talked about the need to come back to a heart of worship. That is the counter to the idolatry that would honor the one true God. And how do we do that? Through the scriptures, the word, you know, and the importance to teach uh, the younger generation. The word lies to us that... um, it is more important to leave our children, you know, the the physical things, wealth, land, houses, and whereas that is all okay, your spiritual legacy trumps anything you'll ever leave your children. What is going what will your heritage be? Are you passing um what you know uh to your children? And you need to be able to pick up on some things that you need to to deal with. There are some things that come naturally to your children that you need to, you know, teach and pray over them about anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, lies. We don't teach them these things, but you'll see some things crop up and it is it is it is your job. It should not happen on your watch. You who has received the word of God, you who has experienced God for yourself, you have a responsibility to those who are going to come after us. And so let us pray. Lord, we we thank you for this word. We thank you for your servant, Reverend Miss Miss Sarah. We thank you for 
for the equipment, for the delivery, oh God. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that, Lord, he would be covered with your blood, oh God, that, Lord, you would hide him under your wings, that, Lord, he would not be on the receiving end of any attack or backlash of the enemy. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray for, for his family, for for them all, oh God, that, Lord, you would place your hedge of protection around them, that the enemy will not find his way to them in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would replenish him for everything that he has poured out, that, Father, you would fill his cup again in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for the word today. Lord, I pray for everyone who is on the call of my Father. Lord, you know where we are in our walk with you, O God. Lord, I pray that where our hearts have been hard, O God, that the Lord, those had, 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 that had heart, the hardness will be rolled away. I pray that, Lord, your precious blood would engulf our hearts and deal with any hardness that is there in the name of Jesus Christ, that, Lord, our, our hearts would be tender towards you, O God, that, Lord, this word that we have received, O my Father, it will take root in our hearts, O my God, that, Lord, we shall, we shall bear fruit, O my Father, that, Lord, like your children, the ones who came before us, oh God, Father, where you have placed us, we shall understand the assignment to bring your glory right where we are, oh God, that Lord, you would teach us, oh God, how to do it, that Lord, you would move, move our feet, that Father, you'd give us a spirit of discernment, that Lord, even in the tricky matters, we would hear your voice tell us, my son, my daughter, this is the way that you should go. Lord, we repent for where we have been lukewarm, oh my Father, for where we have aligned, oh God, with, with our world. Have mercy on us, oh God. Lord, do not give us the, the judgment that we deserve. Father, I pray that our heart will be stirred, oh God, that Father, from right this moment, we shall begin to walk differently and to serve you and you alone, our one true God, oh my Father, so that, Lord, we shall not see the judgment manifest in our own lives and in the lives of our children in form of um, of uh, curses um, that manifest in, in, in disease, in, in lack, in poverty, and all the other unhealthy patterns that we see in our families. Lord, may we take our place in our families. You're a God who looks for the one man, like you said in Ezekiel. Lord, may we say here we are, our Father, send us. Lord, may we come before you for uh, in repentance for ourselves and for our families, oh my Father, and may you enable us, may you give us divine enablement, oh my Father, to teach those who are uh, coming after us, our children and their children, your ways, oh God, to share with them, oh God, the experience of the God that we have seen and we have had in, in, in our lives, oh my Father. And Lord, I pray that your blood would speak on this matter, oh God, that Lord, our children would be um, inclined to your word, oh God, that our children, oh my Father, will be a, a legacy for you, that, Lord, our children and their children, oh God, will serve you, our Father, the one true God. Father, I pray that um, wherever they are, oh God, our children, that, Lord, their hearts uh, will be stirred up, they will be stirred up, that, Lord, they will detest the 
things of the world. They would find no pleasure. They would find no appeal. But that, Lord, they would hunger and they would thirst for the things that are of you, righteousness, justice, mercy, and truth. And Father, I pray that by the power of your spirit, you'd move in our families, in our communities, and over this nation, oh God, that, Lord, your glory would rest in this nation of Uganda. Lord, you know the other needs of our hearts, the things that cause us to cry in the night, the things that burden us. Lord, the word says that you know us so well, you number the hairs on our heads. Father, I pray that you would meet each one at their point of need, that they would know you for the different things that you are. Jaira, our provider, Rafa, our healer, Melfati, our deliverer. Lord, for every side of you that we need, oh God, that it would be real in our lives, in the mighty name of Jesus. And Lord, we thank you because we know that you have heard us and we have prayed with thanksgiving, believing in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And all the saints say amen. Amen. Amen.